Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Before I get to this week's guests, I want to remind you to subscribe, to reach out if you have a story to share, to also share the videos as you come across them. They definitely help people that are out there looking at the faith. This week's guests are... <laughs> That's perfect timing, that cat. All right. <laughs> Carlos and Lori Rolot are here with me today and their cat, one of their cats. We'll, we'll try to keep That's her right. out of it as much as possible. Oh my gosh. Guys, thank you so much for taking time um, out of your, I'm sure, very busy days and very busy nights to be on yeah. the show. It's a pleasure to see you. It's nice thank to you. meet you too. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Well, like we do with uh, the majority of our episodes, why don't you guys uh, tell the listeners your background, your upbringing? Let either of you go first. I guess I'll go first. Um, so mine really does start in the beginning of the beginning, <laughs> uh, when I was born. Um, when I was born, my mom, it was either like a really high blood pressure situation or... Um, something to do with my heart rate where I almost died at birth. And so she had to go in for an emergency C-section. And when they pulled me out, um, the amniotic sac was still covered, covering me. And they call this being born and call. It's a very rare thing. Um, but in Latin, it means helmeted head. And if you Google it, you will find anything from uh, people born that way will never drown to that they're graced with like certain spiritual gifts. But it's a thing, I guess. Um, my mom baptized me in the Catholic church when I was four years old. So I am a reaper. Uh, when she baptized me in the church, she was with my stepfather and that's about the age of my earliest memories. So although I can't say if I'll never drown or anything like that, what I can say is that I definitely experienced the world differently from a very young age. And that's my earliest memories. Um, my mom used to hear me like talking and things and having conversations and be like, who are you talking to? And I tell her, I'm talking to the angels, mommy. And she's like, okay. You know, um, I used to pray to Mary a lot. I loved Mary when I was younger. I loved going to church. I loved being with my kids, like my friends and catechism and things like that. I felt very protected and safeguarded in the church. And my mom and my stepdad, they affirmed my gift and they supported it, but they didn't indulge it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that that was probably the best way to approach it. And they always handled it in regard to how the other people in church saw it and supported it and guided them to, too. So it's like we were getting a lot of spiritual guidance and what to do in that area. So that was good. Um, but when I was, I received Holy Communion with all of my peers. And then when I was around seven or eight, my mom and my stepdad went through a really traumatic divorce and she left the church. It's just what happened. We started going to some non-denominational type of churches and things like that, but that didn't last very long. Uh, from there, let me think. I do remember it was around this time that 
the things that I was seeing and the things that I was experiencing spiritually started to become a lot more dark. And I didn't feel as protected anymore. I remember at a very young age finding interest in Ouija boards and the occult. And I started trying to find answers and deal with the things that I was dealing with without any guidance anymore because I didn't have the church anymore. So that was really hard. I went through some pretty traumatic things from there too. Um, I was pretty much the second parent in our household because, you know, my mom went through a divorce and she did get remarried, but it wasn't quite the same. It didn't last a very long time. So really I was my mom's partner through life. She ended up getting really sick for a while. So then I was taking on a lot more responsibility. I had three younger siblings. Um, they didn't have a relationship with their dad. Like I said, the divorce was really traumatic. So there was a lot of loss there. There was a lot of confusion and the things that I was experiencing just started to get darker and darker. And that's when I start remembering the first times that I sinned it was probably around that time uh, for just from telling lies to uh, stealing, like, you know, like t some typical kid stuff, but it became a lot more frequent and a lot sneakier. This and was like preteen pre years, you're saying? This was even as early as like 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was even as early as like eight to 10. I started remembering these things. And I was really acting as a second parent, like even that little, like I really was just because my siblings were so young and my mom needed the help. So that time was really heavy all the way up until this time was kind of like a blur, even all the way up through like 16, 17, it just seemed to get progressively worse. I was getting more into witchcraft. I was playing with the Ouija board with my friends. Uh, the occult seemed to have the answers that I was looking for and the spirits just started getting darker and darker. I started experiencing things like anxiety and depression. Um, and then when I was 16, I experienced something really traumatic and I'm not going to go into those kinds of things like too, too much, just because sure. they involve other people too. Sure. So don't they like want to go too far into it, but that absolutely ruined me. And I remember after that had happened, I took a bottle of sleeping pills and just thought like, I don't really care if I wake up again. Like, I just don't care. I did wake up. Thank God. <laughs> and at that point I did realize that I wanted to get out of the chaos that I was in, in my life. And so at that point, I was like, I need to go, go to school. Like, I need to go and make something of myself. My grades were always pretty good, luckily. But I was like, I need to go build a career and really make something out of myself and get out of here and do something. So that's what I did. I worked really hard. I ended up going to a charter school my last two years of high school, taking my college prep classes, got my GPA up where it needed to be. And I ended up going to school for psychology. So I did that. Uh, I did forget to mention, too, that somewhere along the way, and I do think that it's interesting to share and maybe just something that people should hear, because I think some people think that this is something that you can change, but 
with God's grace, you really can. And when I was 12 or 13, after I experienced my first trauma, that's when I told my mom that I didn't like boys anymore and that I was gay. And I told my mom that. And she took it okay. <laughs> I would say like as okay as maybe uh, you can. But I carried that with me, even all through college. I dated some guys here and there. Um, when I first got to college, I did date a nice guy for like the first two years. And I was really trying to get it together. Like I really was trying to be normal, I guess, <laughs> and just not do some of the things that I was doing in high school where I was smoking weed, partying, dabbling with the occult stuff like those. Like, no, you're going to get it together. You're going to move past this trauma and you're just going to be a normal person and act like a normal person. So I tried that. Uh, but my anxiety and my depression just got worse over the years. And eventually, um, even though I did really good in school and I was able to start a career, my home life, when I was home, I was having panic attacks every single day, Eddie, <laughs> like every single day. And sometimes it was just such a norm for me. I would go to work and I would have like a panic attack in the bathroom oh. and then be like, okay, got to get it together. Got to get back to it. Cause I worked with kids. I worked with special needs kids. Like you have to be there. So got to suck it up, get it back together and go back out there and go finish your day. And I was doing that constantly. I have no idea <laughs> how I was able to make a good name for myself and have a good career, but I did. I worked for the school district for a long time. That was like probably one of my favorite jobs. That was a really good time. Um, my therapist had me on all of these different medication cocktails trying to fix the problem. At that point, they diagnosed me with PTSD and bipolar, which they diagnosed me with. And that was devastating for me, but I just kept going and kept trying to do the things that they wanted me to do, all of the different therapies and meds and all these different things, but it really wasn't working for me. And um, I started self-medicating, honestly, with various different things. I had started smoking weed again. At one point I was doing a lot of psychedelics. Um, and really, I think I was just trying to feel happy and just trying to be able to socialize with other people in a more normal way. Cause otherwise I just wanted to be secluded and by myself. And it was kind of like, I was living a double life where, you know, I had this great career and I was going to work and I was, I was a behavior analyst and, you know, my peers at work, like they thought really highly of me and always told me what a great job I did. And the kids really loved me and like all of that stuff. But then I went home and, you know, I was self-medicating, having panic attacks, barely eating and just a hot mess, <laughs> like a hot, hot mess. And at that time, I remember the spiritual aspect of things and the things that I was seeing were so dark. Like it was really, really dark. I was having nightmares all the time. I was seeing faces that were, for lack of a better word, like they really were demonic. Like that's just what it was. And 
I felt like I was being stalked almost where it was just like, there was no peace anywhere. And you Um, were still dabbling in all of that and all the occult stuff at that point or, okay. So even though those things are happening, you were still drawn. Did you, did you make the connection between the two or you were saying, this is just my life. Everything's kind of blurry. I'm going to keep going back to various practices is that kind of pretty much at that point i was mostly dabbling with tarot and divination and that type of thing um i think for some reason in my brain at that point i was like oh yeah the ouija board is bad like never do that again that was something you did when you were younger but all of these other things yeah that's not the same thing it's like no it kind of like you're still talking to something that like you don't really know what you're communicating with so sorry i didn't mean to put my hand in your face (laughs) Um, I didn't even notice. Okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was still dabbling in those things. And eventually I did get married at one point to a woman, Sibley. Um, That led to like a whole host of trauma that I, again, it includes her too. So I'm not going to indulge too much. Um, but then I ended up repeating the same pattern in another relationship with another girl and moved down to South Florida. And I don't know if anybody listening has been to South Florida, but there are drugs everywhere. It's, I don't think I met a person who didn't do cocaine (laughs) on a regular basis. So for somebody that was self-medicating, really getting sucked into their own darkness, it was just a recipe for disaster. Um, but I moved there for a relationship and I moved there for a job that I really wanted. And when I got that job, there was one day where they had to Baker act me and it was because of a medication change. And I, knew what was going on. Like I had a sound mind of knowing like, this is because of the medication. So I'm having this really bad experience and now I'm feeling really suicidal, but I'm not going to do it. It's just, but I really need some help right now. But because they were my employer and I was there, they were like, we need to do something. Like I can't send you home. And then if something happens, like I can't have that on me, I can't do that. And I understood that. I didn't actually end up getting Baker acted. They decided I was a true sound of the mind for them to actually do anything. And they just sent me home and I ended up getting a cheeseburger and a beer with a coworker and then going home like it was any other day. But that opened the door for something new because one of the girls that I worked with said, you know, I see that you're struggling and you're going through this. And she offered me a different kind of help. And her husband, he taught people, this is just from what I knew on the surface at this point. He taught people about meditation, self-improvement, self-defense, these types of things. And she was like, you really need to come and talk to my husband. Like he's helped people like you before. And at this point, I'm like, what do I have to lose here? (laughs) Like, really, I've tried all of these different therapists. I've tried all of these different medications and I'm just making my life worse and worse at this point. So I said, okay. And I went to their house and I went to go and meet him. And that's what he told me he did, that he taught people about meditation, 
He studied um, Eastern practices like Taoism, Buddhism, different things like that. And he said that he could help me. And the way that he explained how he helped people to change their mindset and to change their behaviors, like me as a behavior analyst, still listening to this guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Let's do this. <laughs> as if I hadn't tried to like fix myself before or anything from what I already knew. But I figured, like I said, what did I have to lose? Okay, I'll try this. So after doing that for a few months, things did start to get a little bit better where I was able to reframe the ways that I was thinking about myself and also take a lot more responsibility for the situations that I had put myself in. So that was a great outcome of that. And a friend of mine was also in a really unhealthy living situation because I was surrounded by drugs. So now I'm doing these drugs and she was in a very similar situation. And she's like, I don't want to be in this situation. So we talked about it and I was like, let's put our resources together and let's just move in together and get a different place and just start fresh and we'll just help each other get on our feet. So that's what we did. And that was a really good choice. We did that. And now I lived closer to the man who I was doing the meditation classes with. So when that happened and I lived closer to him, he invited me to a meeting at his house. And this meeting was a whole group of people who studied these Eastern practices with him. And so I went, I didn't really know what to expect. He um, did a bunch of different practices and stuff, testing people's different like psychic abilities and different things like that. And I scored pretty okay on a lot of those things. And it was like a week or so after maybe he asked me if I wanted to join his lineage and the lineage is um, a magical lineage where he's teaching people more of the hidden teachings of the occult. Basically sorcery. Yeah. Yep. So there's an initiation process where there's like an initiation ritual. You set up an altar at your house there's different practices. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's different practices that you're doing on a consistent basis. And keep in mind that I'm still experiencing the world in a very different way as far as spiritually goes. Yeah. So as this process went on and I started getting more and more into this, it started feeding my pride because I was definitely different than everybody else where it seems like I had this natural ability that other people had to work really hard to get. And I didn't have to work really hard to get that. I started developing new abilities as I kept going. And I think that that's, that's something that I've really learned a lot about in this process because there's the gift that I was born with that I now recognize, even if I don't entirely know how it's going to be used yet, I do realize that that was given to me by God, where these other additional things were not. One of the greatest dangers of it is uh, because of the nature of it, because it's very uh, mental and what's the word? 
It's, uh, it's difficult. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that you jump through. So the, the big danger with it is that you just develop more complex and unhealthy coping mechanisms for the things you're experiencing that you're not addressing properly because you're already involved in the domain of sorcery and all these things, which inherently open doors to, you know, demonic influence, demonic oppression, demonic obsession, all these other things. And they, they're really just masked under the, uh, under the guise of enlightenment and, you know, uh, all these other kind of uh, mystical virtues, which aren't really rooted in God. No, not at all. Now, if you're like, I'm trying to understand, obviously you were connected to this person through a friend. Like yeah. if you were to go down the street, would you ever see a shop or like a, a store that would, that would, would it, how would you find someone like this? Is it just under the header of meditation or, you know, uh, honestly, there are a lot of people who, you know, you can, you can search up. They're pretty well known, but uh, the kinds of people who are more adept at these kinds of things, usually you just have to, you just have to know a guy, you know, a guy got it. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit, just a little bit underground, but not completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people, you know, who are, uh, who like to, uh, you know, portray themselves as being, you know, a mystic or a sorcerer, you know, having these abilities and, you know, some of them do okay for themselves. And then some of them are just, you know, the, the you know, like street magicians who, yeah. you know, advertise themselves on, you know, really well. And then, uh, there are some people who really do have uh, a very strong demonic, uh, pact and, uh, just have these gifts that, just are inverted and uh, being used to kind of, uh, it's hard to describe. That's a great segue, actually. To kind of uh, <laughs> basically egotize everything. That's a good segue, though, because what I realize now that I didn't realize then is because, of course, as these gifts and these abilities started developing and showing themselves over time, I started doing work for people where I was able to, and I say this with a grain of salt because I, this could all just be a deceitful illusion what I was experiencing, but I was claiming to be reading past lives. Um, I could see other people's memories. Um, I could see different things that their parents went through, like people in their bloodline. And I was able to report these things back to them often symbolically and the thing with that is is i never even thought about the devil <laughs> ever like i never ever ever thought that i was doing anything for the devil never thought about satan none of that but i was engaging in his sin where i had this false humility that i was portraying by being in service to other people but in reality i was leading them away from god and more into themselves so that's really what was going on there so my gift that i was originally given was beefed up with all of these things that weren't given to me by god and then it was being exploited Really, like it was being used for something that I didn't even realize it was really being used for. So, but honestly, at that point, um, that's how me and Carlos met. And I brought up the, uh, 
situation before where I said, you know, when I was younger that I used to like girls and things like that. But that was something that was really interesting during this time because throughout this entire process of me basically making my entire being and personality being a witch. <laughs> um, it's funny because I like now it's like I can't even relate to that. Yeah, person. you can't even believe it. It's yeah. crazy to even think about that. Like, it's just such a different mind frame. Like, I can't even think about being that that girl anymore. I just can't. Uh, but during that time frame, there were these things that happened where it was I think it honestly just gave me more pride because it was like, yeah, I healed that where I didn't have an attraction to women anymore at all. And I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, well, everybody says that you can't just like, you know, spiritually like pray the gay way for like a lack of a better term or whatever. But it's like, that's kind of what happened though. Like just so much spiritual practice and it just kind of dissipated. And one day I just didn't feel that way anymore. And then the other thing that happened was I stopped having to take any medications at all. My meditation practice had gotten so deep and so regular. I really learned how to take more control of my body, how to observe myself. And I started to gain a lot more control. And to this day, it's been, I want to say four years since I've taken any medication. It's incredible. I don't have panic attacks anymore. Like I haven't, as far as like PTSD and bipolar, I don't really know <laughs> if I was ever bipolar or if it was just the choices that I was making and the way that I was treating my body and the trauma that I had been through that just was unresolved. Sure. That was just kind of putting me through these episodes of being depressive and being manic. So that was a thing that just kind of healed too. But I have to say that in that process, it wasn't just me making different choices. And I think this part is, it's important to me. I, when I was in that magical lineage, I would talk to God all the time, but I would not call him by his name, but I felt his presence and I would call it source, like the source of everything. And that's what I would call it. And I remember that there were so many days, like, especially when I was coming off of my medications and different things like that, where for anybody who's ever come off of psychiatric meds, it is so hard and it can be really, really painful. And there were some days where I would roll out of bed and just start saying my incantations and just putting my trust into this healing process and into what I was calling source and just really surrendering myself to that. And I think that that's really important because now going through that conversion process, it's like he was helping me and he was guiding me when I wouldn't even call him by his name. And that's just, that's yeah. like an emotional thing for me just because so when I converted, I I just remember thinking to myself, I'll let you tell your story now, but I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I am so unworthy of this, like so unworthy with everything that I had done. If it sounded like a bunch of chaos in those 20 minutes, it's because it was. No, but you're right. Like how, <laughs> how, how great, how great is his love? You nailed it right there. You're like, you couldn't Absolutely. even, couldn't even call him 
by his name, right? And he's still refused going after his daughter. It's yeah. Yeah, but yeah. still just there with you the entire time. There with yeah. you every step of the way, healing me from all of these things <clears throat> that I mean, honestly, me healing from those things is what really got us to connect. So I'm gonna let you take it. So yeah, Carlos, how did how did everything start yeah. for you? So uh my story starts at the beginning, and I apologize in <laughs> advance because I'm not very good at telling stories, so I'm gonna do my best. And my, there's so much, uh, so many things that happened in my life and a lot of things that I just couldn't even remember if I tried to. So I'm going to do the best to cover the most relevant parts and kind of go into that. But yeah, my, uh, my story starts in the beginning as well. Um, I had a health issue when I was born. Um, you know how babies, when they're born, they have a spot, uh, soft spot on their head because their skull isn't fully enclosed. Yep. And um, I had something going on where uh, there was a mass or something that was formed in my brain, possibly, you know, a tumor or something like that. Um, I went and got, uh, my parents took me to get ultrasound uh, and they saw that there was a mass in my brain. So my parents were very concerned about it. Um, my family at the time were Seventh-day Adventists. So when my mom uh, told my sister and my grandmother, uh, they, you know, reported it back to the church and, you know, the church prayed for me and everything. And uh, it was about a week or two later, they took me back to get that ultrasound and the mass had completely disappeared. So I, I suspect that it was some sort of miraculous healing. So I thank God for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I encountered a lot of uh, difficult things as a kid. I you know, suffered and experienced a lot of difficult things and hardships um, when I was really young, about five years old. You know, uh, I experienced uh, regular sexual abuse for a period of time, and uh, that was difficult. Um, I didn't under really understand it, being a child, and the way that I coped with it, and the way that it affected me was be I became very, you know, sexually licentious as a small child, and uh, <clears throat> that's something that you know carried out with me for uh, many of my younger and adult years. And that's something that I had to heal from. And it was around that time when I was suffering that sexual abuse that I was experiencing uh, what I used to refer to as, you know, psychic attacks or, you know, demonic oppression is what I would refer to it now, um, where I was experiencing, you know, these dark figures standing in my bed and I was having nightmares and just uh, seeing all these visions of, you know, dismemberment and you know uh grotesque faces and all these things which i've never seen before um and at that young age too i was also experiencing depression and having thoughts of suicide and just feeling like completely disconnected from reality uh like i was just kind of watching my life through a screen in a sense and uh and it was difficult it was very difficult and uh my parents didn't know about it till i became an adult uh so I just kind of coped with that the best that I could as a kid. And, uh, you know, luckily I was a child, but, uh, you know, I even had a, a few times where um, I attempted to commit suicide as a child because of uh, all the things that I was experiencing. But luckily being a child, I was too naive to know how to actually kill myself. So, you know, I would do something stupid, like try to swallow a toy that I knew that, you know, I couldn't swallow because I hope I'd choke on it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I had a, a little bit of an asthma issue going on. So I tried to overdose on my asthma medication. You know, that didn't work. That just made me really lightheaded. <laughs> and uh, so luckily that those attempts failed. 
And um, I grew up uh, really idolizing and uh, really inspired by um, like uh, martial arts movies and action heroes and, you know, cartoons and stuff that were martial arts inspired. So uh, with that, you know, as I got older, um, I got really into the Eastern mysticism, which was really my first step into spirituality. And it started with martial arts. I was really interested in the martial arts because, you know, I had a, I had a, um, I wouldn't say a, a particular talent for it, but I really enjoyed doing it. And I spent enough time practicing it where I, you know, I saw that I was making, uh, you know, significant progress and, you know, doing punches and kicks and doing all this stuff. And, I, you know, uh, me and my friends would fight each other and stuff in school. And, you know, that'd be like a little way of uh, testing each other. And then uh, it developed when I was around 13 or 14 years old into the, uh, into the mystical aspects of it. Because, you know, when you get involved in martial arts, there's no, like, you, you're going to... At some point or another, you're going to be exposed to the, you know, the, the, the mysticism aspect of it, you know, where they're doing things with chi, you know, like you have these, uh, you, know, you know, martial arts masters, you've probably seen them like, uh, no touch, knock, knocking out people. And a lot of them are shams and frauds anyway, but, you know, they display all these abilities and stuff. And I thought, oh, wow, it's like, you can progress in martial arts and there's a spiritual aspect to it where you can develop abilities that are beyond limitations of the physical body. Like, that's what I really got uh hung up on and i became kind of obsessed with it and the one good thing that did come out of it was at a young early age uh i learned how to do meditation and meditation really helped me to um quiet the chaos that was going on in my mind and kind of gave me a way to cope with the hardships that i was still experiencing in my everyday life you know my parents divorced when I was very young, I think it was around the time that, uh, that I had the sexual abuse happening and that just destroyed me. Um, the one memory that I have from that time that, you know, I still remember very vividly was my parents getting into an argument and my mother locking my father out of the door, out of the, the house and looking out my back window, the back window of my bedroom and just seeing my dad banging on the door, begging to be let in. And, you know, me being a child, I didn't understand what was going on. And then I just saw the police arrive and take him away. And, you know, for all I know, you know, my mother probably had a pretty good reason for locking my father out and calling the cops on him. You know, it may have been that, you know, they got into a serious argument or maybe he was being abusive, but, you know, none of that was explained to me. I didn't know what was going on. You know, all I just saw, all I saw was, uh, you know, the father that I loved, you know, being evicted from my house and me hardly ever seeing him again, you know, every other weekend after that. Yeah. So that really, uh, that really, you know, all those things together uh, really took a toll on me as a child. And so I grew up interested in martial arts, started getting into the meditation, the mystical aspect of it. Around 15 or 16 is when I took some serious steps into like actually being involved in the process of Eastern mysticism and, uh, and uh, participating in a system which required regular discipline. And uh, that came through my reading of a book called Opening the Dragon Gate by uh, a master, Wang Li Ping. So it's a, basically a biography of a Taoist master who grew up with these Taoist sages and they basically taught him meditation from an early age, meditation, sorcery, uh, divination, all these things. And all I wanted to do was live his life. I, you know, I, I really looked up to that sort of thing. And that's kind of what I wanted to do because 
in that kind of monastic, that the Eastern mysticism monastic lifestyle particularly, uh, there was just kind of like that withdrawal from the world. There was the, the freedom from suffering. There was the empowerment of the martial arts. There was the development of supernatural capabilities. And it just like, it just seemed like uh, everything that I wanted um, that, and you know, all the things that would uh, solve all the issues in my life. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, being in high school at the time, you know, I was reading this book. I just completely stopped uh, paying attention in high school. All I would do every class was read this book and do meditation. And I became completely obsessed with it. You know, I, I would fast because, you know, he fasted in the book. You know, I was really trying to do everything <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, uh, like I was reading this book. And I did have mystical experiences, um, particularly in dreams and having out-of-body experiences. But they're dangerous. They're really dangerous. Um, it, it opens you up to a lot of other things. And I had, you know, with that opening me up and experiencing those things, which I thought were like superpowers that I was developing, I was also opening myself up to, you know, more demonic influence, more demonic attack. Uh, and I began to experience some really severe depression uh, in high school. And I was, I began exhibiting self-destructive behaviors in my relationships. I started smoking weed, um, lost my virginity at 16. I started drinking and the drinking actually began, uh, began uh, at an er uh, earlier in my life. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around too much, but yeah, I, when I was in middle school, I was drinking liquor out of my parents' cabinet, filling my bottles, my Gatorade bottles. I would drink half the Gatorade and then fill it with liquor and then go to school. And I would, I would drink that during school. I have no idea why I did that still to this day. Just a lot of strange things like that that I'm looking back on. There's not a lot of clarity on why I did that. And I don't understand why I did that. But there are some other moments that are similar to that, which I had a lot of clarity on. Like the, like the things, like the thoughts that I would have that were suggesting me to hurt myself and to hurt other people. And I feel like that's probably the same influence that drove me to do those sorts of things. You know, things that, I, you know, I didn't even know what alcohol was. I didn't know that it got you drunk. And I was doing these things. And I, I don't understand why I was doing them. But I do know that I was opened and exposed to demonic influence and oppression at a very young and early age. And I think that led me to do a lot of things that I would have otherwise not have done. Yeah. People don't realize like how much you really need to protect your children because like the enemy does not care how old you are. Like if you're vulnerable, if you've experienced trauma, if you've, you know, sinned once and now you have that on you or whatever it is, like they don't care how old you are. They're going to come for you. It doesn't matter. Like people really just need to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't, like it's not like he's going to have mercy on your kid just no he, no, he does okay. not know mercy exactly right. the antithesis of mercy yeah right and nor does he know humility and that's why that's so important as well yeah true humility yeah. yep um so how long were you engaging in the mysticism and were you still engaging in that when you met Lori? is oh, that yes. how, that was did you guys meet at the same whatever gathering like you're part of the same lineage as you said uh, this is all new terminology for me so yeah no yeah. i know well they don't really talk about those things in like common conversation you know <laughs> not um, yeah it doesn't come up too often yeah 
Yeah. Uh, well, what happened was we actually met online and I remember I had seen your profile and at the time I called myself a vulva, which is a Norse witch that does trance work. So I was doing that, even though I was part of this Eastern lineage, um, I was practicing Norse magic, like room magic, um, a lot of trance work and things like that. He just so happened to be into that and also the Eastern stuff. And I'm like, you're the same kind of weird I am. Oh my God. That's very interesting. Not a lot of people are into like both of those things. And between that and also when we met, we had both already made a lot of progress with ourselves. Like we both went through a lot of mental health things that we had really gotten a handle on. Um, we had both healed from a lot of different things. So not as well as we thought, though. No, our, not as well as Our relationship as we thought, definitely but... did a good job at exposing that because <laughs> what we thought we didn't, we weren't dealing with anymore, we suddenly saw it in each other and then we, uh, then it brought it back out in ourselves. Yeah, but how I told you that, you know, I was calling that, that voice and that presence source. Yeah. That voice told me that I was supposed to be with him. And so... When you hear that big booming voice, you just, you listen to it. Like you just do it. And it was like, okay, that's something I'm supposed to do. So that's what we ended up doing. And it showed itself pretty quickly. The nice thing about that was when we got together, we went through a lot of challenges, like a lot. It was we thought that we were what each other wanted, but we discovered very quickly that we were more so what each other needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to start to clear up some stuff. And, yeah. but that really helped us together, just knowing that we were supposed to be together. So through yeah. all of those challenges, even though we still wouldn't call God by his name and call him God, we were still like, no, source told us that we're supposed to be together. And we're serving that higher purpose. So even though you're making me upset right now, or you're triggering me in this way, or it seems like we're just never going to get through this or whatever it is, we were still so focused on serving something higher. Yeah. So that really helped keep us together. And it wasn't until later that we found out that, I mean, that was God the entire time. Like it, uh, it was. Yeah. How... How long were you dating and still engaged in the occult? And then what what changed that? Did one of you read an article or something and say, you know what, this is just, yeah, how, what, what happened there? So we were dating and still practicing and doing all this for probably about a year and a half. Yeah. About a year and a half, right? Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Maybe a little bit longer. But about a year and a half, and uh, and what spurred the conversion was actually I was getting involved in a new form of paganism because I was trying to get more in touch with my Roman roots. Okay, you know I, I did DNA ancestry, so you know being very much into paganism, a big thing, you know, a big aspect of paganism is ancestral uh, connection. Yeah. Mm. So you know, uh, you know, if you're a pagan, you know. There's a, you know, neo-paganism is totally different from what traditional paganism was associated with. And of course, there's a lot of nuances to it, but generally pagans try to go with gods whom their ancestors worshipped and venerated. Right. 
because they feel that they'll have a better connection with them because there's that ancestral tie. Sure. So they believe in a, in a genealogical connection to these deities. Um, so I, I've, you know, uh, uncovering and learning more about my Roman roots, I became really interested in Roman paganism. And it was while I was practicing Roman paganism that suddenly we both began receiving these impulses to, uh, to go to the Catholic Church. And that was a little different. It, it, yeah, it first started out with, with Lori. And, uh, and I was really hesitant about it at first because I had all the... Uh, you know, all the, the, the propaganda and the disinformation about the church in my mind that, you know, the general public had. I was never catechized. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the, the Catholic church, really. I want to say what in detail actually happened, though. Okay. Okay. So what actually happened was there was one day he had a Gnostic prayer book somewhere that he had kept. And so he pulled that out. And one day we were sitting at our pagan altar and he asked me if I would go sit and I would pray with him. And I was like, oh, I have something for you. And I still had my great grandmother's rosary. I still had it all this time. I had held on to it. Um, my father gave it to me, but she had passed away and I just held on to it. So I was like, you can use this to help you. And he was like, no, it's okay. I don't need that. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll use it. So <laughs> we sat there and I think we said the Our Father together. I think you said the glory be at some point in time. But then we got to the Hail Mary. And we started saying the Hail Mary together. And when that happened, I had my eyes closed as if I was going into meditation. We're sitting there. I'm saying the Hail Mary with him. And there was this, I had this vision. It was like this burst of light that came through and Christ's feet touched the ground in this vision. And when that happened, all of this dust swept away all of these other worldly religions, all of these other pagan religions and his voice, he told me, this isn't necessary for you anymore. It's time to go back home to the Catholic church. <laughs> he said the Catholic church. So, and of course I'm like sobbing and I'm a wreck after this. <laughs> and so yeah, I'm just sitting there like, are okay. you okay? You're yeah. clearly having a different experience than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I told him after about that experience and what was said to me. And that's when you shared with me that you had had that dream. Yeah. So around that same time, um, I had a dream and uh, I wasn't even considering the Catholic church, but I had this dream and I'm pretty certain that it was God. Um, out of humility, I'm not going to say that I know with 100% certainty that it was, but from what I experienced, that's what I believe it was. And what I experienced was just a simple dream, but it was very profound. Um, I was in a cathedral, and the cathedral was filled with light. And I just felt this warm love. And I knew that I was surrounded by other people like myself, you know, fellow, uh, you know, faithful lady, whatever you want to call it. And it just felt like we were all united in this love that was emanating from God in this cathedral. So it was more symbolic than anything else. Um, there weren't any words. I didn't see any person. It was just the feeling. And that feeling left a really strong impression on me. And when you feel something like that, you know, it's, uh, you can't really, you know, you can't really ignore it. It's just, yeah. it's just so profound, so deep and so good that you just want to return to it. Both of those experiences were so strong that at that point we 
couldn't deny what we had just gone through. We couldn't pretend like it was nothing. And at that point, I kept telling him, like, you have to look into the Catholic Church because he told me the Catholic Church. And I started telling him, you know, I and I started having all these memories of from when I was little, like I said, like I felt safe. I felt taken care of. I felt protected when I was in the church. I wasn't having all these scary experiences. Um, it's like you were under his provision, like like he was really protecting you. I had a really strong connection with Mary when I was a little girl. And I just started having all of these yeah. memories. And I was like, you have to look into it. Like, just look into it. Just humor me. Like, what, what prompted you to grab the rosary in the midst of having that Gnostic prayer book next to you? That's just great. And then how soon... Okay, so the, the dream happened right around the same time, you said? like It was like within a week. Yeah. They were like within a week of that's, each other. That's insane. A few days of each other. Yeah. It, it really all coincided uh, so nicely that we really, we saw that, you know, like this definitely seemed like a, a very, like a like a sign. Yeah. And like after... We're, we're being very, we're very clearly being, uh, being guided to do something. And after that had happened and I had that vision where his feet touched the ground and I saw all of those... I'm an artist. I paint a lot. I went through my entire house and took down every pagan, everything. Like it felt like a, like a tornado was inside of me or something where all of a sudden I just had that feeling of like, I have been doing him so wrong. Like I can't be doing this. And I just took everything down and we got rid of everything. We went through all of yeah. our bookshelves. I can't tell you how many books we threw away. Wow. We just, I couldn't either. even give them away or sell them because I was like, I can't even condone yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. I can't keep like yeah. sending people away from God. And we just, we got rid of everything yeah. very quickly and just went to the cathedral and started contacting somebody about joining our CIA ASAP. Really? Yeah. Like right? Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. When was that? How long ago was that? In June. Yeah, I mean, in June. even though even though what we were evolved with was very demonic, and you know, and misguided, we were very much seeking the truth in that, and we were very serious about uh, our spirituality. Yeah, and uh, and so as soon as you know we decided we were going to do this, it's like, well, we got to learn everything about it. It's like, okay, you know, uh, the RCIA is the best way to learn, you know, everything about the faith. So that's what we wanted to do. Yeah, and we just jumped all in, and then. The crazy thing is, too, is, oh my goodness, once we started converting, I, once you're involved in the occult stuff, it is not going to let you go easily. That makes sense. There were, There's like, pushback. spiritual warfare became a very real part of our lives, our daily lives. Yeah. Experienced a lot of uh, desolation in the beginning, just really yeah. weird, unexplained things. It's, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of death that has to happen, a lot of things that you have to let go of yeah. in order to be able to fully accept, uh, you know, the church's teachings. Yeah. And it was really hard. And a lot of those things that we developed bonds and attachments with, you know, didn't let go so easily. And so there was a lot of, you know, predominant sins that were just kind of dormant, suddenly going, you know, rampaging, anger, frustration, you know, sexual degeneracy, everything just wanted to let loose and just kind of, you know, pull you away from that, tell you why you can't do this, why you're not good enough, you know, why you're unworthy of doing this, all of that. 
it was intense. Like it came for our finances. It came for our marriage because we were working towards convalidating our marriage in the church, of course. So we were working towards that. We were working towards you getting baptized, um, towards both of us getting confirmed. Like we were really on top of this um, and really trying to learn as much as we can. And the entire time we were doing that, I remember there was this one night where, and this was, at this point, I had been so bothered every single night by different entities that I did not want to go to sleep anymore. Like I just did not want to go to bed. And there was this one night where we were laying in bed and, you know, lights go out and I could just feel it. And then I could see it. And it was this demonic female looking being at the edge of the bed. And I'm like, she's going to be bothering me. Like I can already tell. And like, we're already at the point where we're praying our rosary every morning and every night. Like, you know, we're doing all of the things that we're supposed to do. I've been given all of these prayers by different people in the church. We have holy water at home. Like we're doing the best that we can with what we know at that point in time. But I hadn't been to confession yet. So, oh my gosh, to make a long story short, I think I got like two or three hours of sleep that night. And that attack was so intense that she was on top of me, preventing me from praying. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Um, and then she would leave me alone for a little bit. And then she would be back on top of me again. And then she would leave me alone for a little bit. And then she'd be, and it was just like torture through the whole night. And at that point in time, I could hear the voice of Jesus asking me if I trusted him. And the thing is, is even though I had that experience and I knew that this is what I was pursuing and I was going to be a Catholic and I was going to follow Christ, that doesn't mean I just had this relationship with him yet. You know, like I just met you again. Yeah. <laughs> so like, even though I know that this is the right thing that I'm going to do, like, I still don't really know you. So I was always honest in that response and said, I don't know, I'm trying to like different things like that, you know? And finally that night I surrendered and I said, yes. And that's when everything stopped and I could finally go to sleep. The very next day I was like, I don't care if I'm not ready to go to confession yet. I'm going to confession. And I went to confession <laughs> and I renounced the occult. Um, I confessed all of the mortal sins that I knew of at that point in time. I renounced all of my work as a witch. And that was the last time I was ever bothered like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last time. Even since, you know, like I'll see things like here and there, but it is nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing like that. So then it's not what, an easy thing to get out of. Go ahead. What was that? What was that? I, I was just saying it's not an easy thing to get out of. Like I, can, I can only imagine. I can only yeah. imagine. So then for anybody when, else. Go ahead. Sorry, Carla. For anybody else who, you know, any other uh, you know, for anyone who's watching this and they're experiencing similar things. You know, just a few tools that we recommend that really worked for us. You know, confession, that really works. Praying the rosary, that really works. If you're considering consecration, total consecration to the Immaculate, highly recommend that. I mean, and the show, I've been Catholic for less than a year, and I feel like a, a completely different person because I've just been doing these things, praying the rosary every day, going to confession whenever I can, uh, going to adoration. And then uh, total consecration to the Immaculate is an absolute game changer. And I recommend everybody do it. We probably go to confession every week. Yeah. Praise God. Like, I don't wow. care how big or how small. 
or whatever anything is. It's just after that experience where that happened and confession just relieved that for me. And it was just such a world of difference. I was, I guess I just have it in me now where I'm like, I'm not going to have anything on me. Yeah. I'm not going to let you have anything on me. You're I'm determined. Go- <laughs> You're determined. Yeah. 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 You guys went through, yeah. You guys went through hell. You're saying, I don't want any of that again. That's. And you yeah. hear people be like, well, what's the point of that? Why do I have to tell a priest or whatever? And I'm like, you know what? I don't have to understand it entirely. I know that it builds humility. I know that. Yes. I know that you know, I'm hearing the words of absolution, like, I understand that. And now I know that I'm being forgiven for my sins. But there is something about it that I don't quite understand. Where it just really cleanses you. Yeah, I, I really think it's the, you know, the humility, you know, like no sin, you know, uh, not taking lightly, even the smallest sins, and confessing them and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Yep. Uh, and and to just admit that you did something wrong mm-hmm. and it's just i mean i think it makes you so repuls- uh, repulsive to satan i think so yep to the humility because his sin was pride yeah wow god <laughs> this is fantastic yeah. i love it yeah. so much god's grace is so good um i cannot really so Really so this is. is less than a year now that you've been on. Well, I mean, you've been on the roller coaster for, for years, but yeah, I, I just can't believe how quickly you went from having that experience at home to entering a, the church. I mean, that's miraculous in and of itself to not have this drag on, you know, you, you, you probably felt like things were dragging on in hindsight when you were in the, when you were caught up in all the occult practices that was such yeah. a long period of time. And then to have that break so dramatically. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're going through the transition, it really, it feels like an eternity. Cause it's like, when it's like, if you're, if you're sitting on a thorn or, you know, or you're just sitting in an uncomfortable position, uh, uncomfortable position, like kneeling, for example, yeah. you know, you feel uncomfortable <laughs> and because you're uncomfortable, the time span, you know, the time that's passing feels like forever, but no, like relatively speaking, it was actually yeah. a very short amount of time. And I think, you know, that was obviously by God's grace, but I also recognized that we were seeking so earnestly for truth in the wrong place that we developed these faculties and they were being directed in an inverse manner. And it's like when we became Catholic, it's like those faculties finally pointed to true north. Like that same discipline was still there. That same, That's, like, yeah. Because one thing I noticed is when I became Catholic, I didn't know anything about Catholicism. No one has ever tried to convert me. I want to be clear. And I think I'm, I'm and as a Catholic now, I'm really disappointed in, in the Catholic Church and, and how weak uh, evangelization has become. You know, people aren't trying to convert other people and we're leaving people to their ignorance and they don't know any better and they're not being told any better because we're afraid of the conflict that might ensue, that people aren't going to like us or that we're going to lose friends. But, yeah. you know, uh, the the cost is much greater, you know, anyways. No, no, no. <laughs> that, and, that, and that's the importance of you sharing. That's part yeah. of evangelization right. is getting, Absolutely. getting your story and out so there. When I became a Catholic, it was like, it's like, I knew it was true. Yeah. I read it and I was like, I know this is true. And I know this is true because I know what I was doing and it was wrong. It was really weird. It was like, I didn't realize I was doing wrong, but I did the wrong really well. 
So when I knew what was right, I was like, oh, I understand why that's wrong. Like the theology is like, the Catholic theology is immaculate. It's perfect. That's yep. the other thing about the Catholic faith too, is like, they have an answer for everything like any question that you have about absolutely anything they have the answer for it great point yeah it is truly god's revelation yeah and i you know and all the different things that i've dabbled in i haven't seen anything else like that where they just have the answer and not only that but before i was just seeking power wanting to become more powerful more enlightened and all this and now it's uh, i don't i'm just giving myself to god and and letting his grace work through me. And I'm, and before I wanted to become bigger than myself and, yep. and, and I wanted to uh, improve myself by becoming immortal. Yeah. By become, becoming yeah, immortal. immortal, which is one of the things, which is, uh, you know, a, a, key, um, a theological fallacy because our souls are already immortal. So why would you strive to become immortal through, you know, demonic practices? It's just, you know, it's one of the problems with Eastern mysticism. It yeah. just changed those occult practices yeah yeah it just was say that again lori it it chains you to those occult practices because you know you're taught you have to do these things to reach this certain level of ability where you will then have this immortality and you know this knowledge and this wisdom and this power and all of these abilities even after death yeah but the truth is is that we've already been given immortality Mm -hmm. and having that other thought that you have to earn that immortality it just chains you to doing those occult practices more and more and more yeah yeah i realized you know with the conversion that you know the real power is in in humility and surrendering surrendering yourself to god's will and just being part of like the the it's not even i can't the the logical explanation of it doesn't do it any justice you really just have to do it you have to have faith you have to make that leap of faith and you have to trust, completely trust yourself to God and how you're going to feel, how that's going to move you and transform your heart is just so much more profound than, than what I can explain. Yeah. It, it's yeah. one of those things where you just can't yeah. really explain it. It's absolutely incredible. Now, for those that are watching, listening, um, there are droves of people that feel powerless and are probably tempted, if not already engaging in similar things. What would you tell the kids and adults that feel like they've gone after something because they wanted to regain power that they lost through trauma or through some horrendous, uh, you know, some experience that they had? They may not even understand that, but what would you tell? What can we tell them? There are so many people that are probably caught up in this? That's a really loaded question. Um, I feel like you could say so many things depending, but the first being is that please, like I have fallen into this trap like so many times in my life and I still fall into this trap every once in a while. Do not idolize your feelings. Like, please do not idolize your feelings. Just because you're feeling something very deeply does not mean that that's reality. And we experience that a lot with trauma. So then we get so stuck on trying to heal these feelings. I promise you, I've tried every occult practice that there is probably, like probably everything. Um, I once considered myself to be quite the healer for other people. Nobody heals like Christ heals. 
absolutely nobody. What you could work a lifetime trying to heal, he can heal in an instant if you surrender it to him. There are things that I've experienced in my life or like things that I was trying to work through, um, different traumas, different emotions towards different people, different conflicts or whatever that I carried with me for years. When I converted and decided to give that to Christ, I had a mystical experience in the church that one time. He healed it for me in 10 minutes while communion was going on. And all of a sudden, I never had that problem again. Wow. If you can learn how to surrender to Christ, I don't want to say you're going to. He's going to protect you and you're going to make a lot less mistakes. It's the grace that makes the difference. It's yeah. not that you become something you weren't before. It's that you need his grace. His grace is what makes all the difference. And what I would say is we are powerless. That's why we need God. We are powerless. We're not capable of doing anything good by merit of what we do yeah. and make of what we intended by We're prompted it. by grace. Absolutely. Yeah. We need, we need God's grace. And you know, uh, so knowing that we're powerless and that we need God's grace, all we need to do is fully entrust, you know, ourselves to him and to his will and to do what he says, as, you know, Mary said at the wedding feast, uh, wedding feast of Cana, just do what he says and just, just try it. Just do it, do it with faith, do it diligently, do it every day. Uh, praying that rosary, so important, so important. It's such a game changer. Yeah. Going to confession. Yeah, just receiving the sacraments. Yeah, receiving the sacraments. So important. Yeah, receiving the sacraments. And the other thing, too, is like, if you're somebody like me and, you know, you have, you experience the world in some way that maybe the average person doesn't, and you're looking for answers regarding that, don't think that the church can't help you or that you don't have a place there because you absolutely do. I know like one of the questions I was asked when we first converted, because of course, a lot of our friends who were also into like pagan and occult practices, they were not happy about our conversion at no. all. And Still one of the things what I was asked was like, well, how are you just not a witch anymore? And I was like, I'm just not, I'm just going to figure this out. Like maybe this will completely go away and I won't experience the world like this anymore, or maybe it won't. And something else is going to like, that's going to be used in some other way that will actually glorify God. I haven't quite figured that out yet. Like, you know, um, and that's the beauty and that's the beauty of not forcing it. Let it organically happen, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes there's been like a few times where, you know, like I'll get a message that's really real and I have to give that to somebody, you know, and it's like, those are like the little ways, I guess. And I think the little ways are important too, you sure. know, like, yeah. Um, but I don't really know. I don't know how it's going to be used yet, but I'm also not idolizing this part of myself. Like I tended to, when I was in the occult where it was just like, Oh, like you're special in this way, because I don't really think of it like that anymore at all, because we all have our things that we're good at. Something that he's really great at, that I am not so great at is, uh, father Mulroney calls you the wordsmith. He's really good with words and stuff. I'm not very good at that, but everybody has their gifts. Everyone like everybody, has a gift. has, you know, and no matter what it is, like what your gift is, if you think that you're like a little weird or 
you know, if it's something that is maybe a little bit more supernatural, the church will always be able to guide you and protect you. Yeah. No matter as what. A, as a last thing to add, yeah. just a further summarization. Uh, if you feel powerless, you have to recognize you you are powerless. The beautiful thing about that is that God is all powerful and he loves you. Yeah. All you have to do is, you know, give yourself to his will and doing so will infuse you with sanctifying grace. And that sanctifying grace isn't going to remove your suffering, but that's going to transform your heart to be able to accept that sec- uh, that suffering. And that's going to sanctify you. And that's going to change you in a way that I can't describe. And that's the change that I've suffered in this lesson or, um, that I've experienced. It is, it is, I have suffered it, but I've, I've, I would say experienced in the, uh, in the less than a year that I've been a Catholic that has completely changed me into another person. I can't tell you like how much God has blessed us since converting. Like I said earlier that like, you know, the enemy like came for our finances. He came for our marriage, like, you know, started coming for all of these things, but we've been blessed like tenfold Yeah. ever since converting and just being obedient and just doing what's asked of us. And receiving the sacraments as often as we can. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you. And I know uh, many others will thank you for being bold and uh, sharing. Man, you guys are just very vulnerable. And I've said that to a few other people. It means a lot because it's going to mean a lot to other people that have some connection to what you just shared. And may God bless your marriage and your future in the church and just keep, keep sharing your story when you can, uh, whenever you get that opportunity and hopefully people will share this and we can get, uh, I say the word out because there are people perishing that need, they need a lot of hope and you guys just delivered it, uh, through, of course, God (laughs) delivered it, but you guys were obedient. You guys are obedient and he definitely, sees you both and appreciates you both. I know that um, in my heart. So anyway, thank you again for everything. Thank you. Thank do you, you mind if we close with prayer? Yeah, let's let's do it. Go for it. All right. Fantastic. Nomine Patris, Sepili, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Chilis, sanctificetum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cielo et in terra, Panem nostrum, super substantialem de nobis hodie, et stimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitribus nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libra nos amalem. Amen. 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 God bless you, Eddie. Thanks for having us. God bless you guys.